Welcome into the MBA University podcast. My name is Stephen Kagan, and we have a very special guest today. We have Coach David Thorpe coming in. He's a man of many talents, the author of Basketball is Jazz. Uh, he's both also a basketball coach and player development specialist, motivational speaker, longtime ESPN.com analyst, and now co-founder of True Hoop, but most importantly, a fellow graduate of the University of Florida. What's going on, Coach? I'm happy to be here talking hoops. And I, I don't, I mean, I mean, I was in school, I'm sure, before you were alive. <laughs> and, and now, 1997? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was married seven years already at that point. I, I was in school in the early to mid 80s. Uh, and now I have a son at Florida State and a daughter at UC. UC. I don't even root for the Gators anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. They went to the they went to the competition. That's okay. You know, not everybody can can fall for the apple falls far from the tree a little too far. Sometimes. I didn't. All yeah, no, I never I didn't want them to follow my footsteps. Never once did I buy him a gator or anything. I took my son to one uh, when Tebow won his um, second championship down in Miami. Mm -hmm. We went to that game just because a friend of mine, uh, my brother's win. a friend of mine is the CEO of the Orange Bowl. So he got me tickets. Right. Um, but he's playing. He plays basketball at Florida State. So like the, I, yeah. I don't hate the Gators, but uh, and I'm friendly with one of the coaches there. I mentor one of their assistant coaches. Very cool. I root for them because my brothers, but uh, not really. I don't really, I don't watch them all yeah. year except when they play you know, Florida State once a year. <laughs> yeah, I would say your son at this point is probably slightly more of a uh, yeah. of a pull for your rooting. Not interest even close. Than, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not even close. Well, we're so happy to have you on. Uh, I've been listening to you on podcasts for a long time, and you have. Um, incredible insights, and I'm I'm really excited to just sort of pick your brain and also just have a have a fun laid back conversation about uh, some of the guys that you view as as breakout candidates in the NBA this year. Uh, coaches been been you know developing players and and identifying prospects for decades now, and and he has a lot to a lot to teach us. So super excited to dive in. Before we go there, I kind of wanted to just. Uh, hear if you had any highlights from these these first slate of games that we had of anything you know stand out any exciting uh, moments for you that you were really happy to see yeah I, I talked about this on our show bring it in today uh, with true hoop um the first game the celtics sixers game mm -hmm. you know i follow basketball globally i i've trained players everywhere and um you know the euro league is great the nbl is getting much better uh, Euro yeah. Cup, you know, the, the Israeli league is good, the German league. <laughs> but um, that first game, there might have been 20 plays where I thought the rest of the world combined will, will have 20 of those kinds of plays. Hmm. And we just had it in one game, <laughs> one yeah. of many, many, many games. Um, we have the best players in the world. We really do. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean we have all 450. We don't. There's a hundred some odd guys all over the world that probably could mm -hmm. uh, uh, not just make a roster. That's a no brainer, but probably get in a rotation if given an opportunity, but our best players are, are truly elite players of which most teams have one or two, if not three or four are just so exquisitely talented, physically, athletically, explosively, mentally, skill wise, work mm -hmm. ethic, coachability there. They just check every box. And, yeah. um, we're very lucky to, I feel very lucky to coach some of these guys, to try to prepare players, to try to beat some of these guys, and then right. to analyze it with True Hoop again for, I think, going on our fourth year now. Wow. Yeah, it is. It's stark watching the talent in the NBA now. Um, it really is a, just a boom of talent, even in this last, like, 
five years. I think we, we're starting to see every draft class that comes in is bringing in ridiculous talent. The, the physicality of these players that are these younger players is just outrageous. The, the things they're able to do with their body, the skill that everybody has now, um, you're starting to finally see that like trickle down effect of, uh, all these, these skilled shooters and these yeah. pull up jump shooters. Um, you're seeing it now in the lower levels and now they're coming up and playing in the NBA. You're seeing these big men who can handle like outrageously Paolo, obviously last night showing off, uh, going absolutely bananas. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on that at some point. I won't let this whole podcast go by without some magic propaganda, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing, man, to, to have a league this deep. Um, and what that entails, a league that's this talented means there's a lot of parity, you know, there's a lot of variance in this league, uh, because everybody's so good, you know, they're, they are doing outrageous things on the court. And if everybody's that good, anybody can win every night. Uh, and it, it's going to be a, a beautiful season to watch unfold. Um, I, I couldn't be more excited. So thank you for thank you for touching on that. I did want to sort of pick your brain as we as we transition into these breakout candidates. Um, and before we get there, I want to learn a little bit just about sort of your your player development philosophy, just what you what you look for in players. I, I wanted to pose the question of just like what traits do you look for most when you're evaluating talent? Like, is there, is, are there a couple of particular traits that you value higher than others? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot probably. Um, so first of all, I've been doing this a long time. You know, I, mm-hmm. I hope people think I started the first ever player development business back in the nineties before you were born. Um, <laughs> and so in that business, I, I, again, I've been, I've been doing player development at some level uh, going on 30 years now. Cause I started like pretty much 93. Man. Um, and you, you have to, to me, developing players is not about me. It's about we, it's about us. I I have to do my part. We're first in the business to inspire, but I also have to recognize every player learns differently, has a different arc, has a different, different developmental pattern. Uh, some guys pick things up super quickly, but the ones that don't, that doesn't mean they can't get much, much better. It just gotta be a little more patient and maybe try different. I mean, I, I teach shooting a million different ways because everyone learns differently. That's why I think like shooting is like a fingerprint. Everyone shoots kind of their own way, mm-hmm. the way they're anatomically put together. And so my, my general feeling, uh, and this is not easy to do with player development and projection, is the first thing I'm looking at for players is uh, their capacity for working and their capacity for learning. Mm-hmm. And a college coach told me recently in this last year, he, he said to me, he's like, coach, I heard you say this 10 years ago. And he's like, I've always thought about this. This is a high, high major coach, one of the best in the country in college. And uh, he said, I, I live by those two things when we recruit. Uh, we're recruiting NBA players. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a third one that we've added, which is capacity for dealing with distraction. Mm. In this new, in this uh, brilliant, in this new age where you're, you're just, you know, you could pick up this, your phone, yeah. And you're in a different world, whether you're connecting to people or you're being entertained or you're watching a game. Um, and so you need to be able to not get distracted with all that's out there. So, so now I think about those three things. And that, that is not easy to do just from watching games. So as I'm watching games, and I'll tell you real quickly what I'm looking at, I'm always thinking about those things. Hmm. So, so uh, for example... Before I wrote an article claiming I thought James Wiseman was the best player, was the best prospect in the draft, I called coaches at Memphis. And, I, and these guys respect me enough. I knew they wouldn't lie to me. We have lots of mutual friends. And uh, upon hearing everything they told me about this young man, 
Mm -hmm. the, the only thing that could stand in his way would be injury because his capacity for working and learning, like the kid speaks Mandarin. He's a very, very <laughs> bright man, um, young man. There's, you know, I, I can't predict injury. So sure. what's to stop him? So, so that being said, you know, the obvious ones are physical traits. I think everyone sure. sees that. I, I really look a lot at hands. The guys mm. with the best hands, um, they, they just can make so many more plays. The ball just sticks to their hands. The guys that have a feel, right? Um, knowing how to play. I, I think the biggest mistake so-called trainers make is they think their, their job is to teach skills and tricks. And I always felt like, again, when I was doing this in the 90s, nobody was doing anything. And the only way to continue to get parents to pay me was if their, their sons, well, I had a couple of girls, but mostly boys, had to play well. And they had to win games, scoring mm -hmm. points and losing at the highest level of high school, no good. So I realized I'm in game development. I never thought of myself as a skills trainer or a shooting coach. No, I'm a game developer. I have to teach these guys how to play winning basketball. Uh, high school coaches typically are very bad. So I was lucky <laughs> when I was coaching players that played for good coaches because I'd work synergistically with them. They're the ones who would send me their players because they were smart and had no ego. One right. guy went to four straight state championships. I coached this whole team. One of, <laughs> one of his guys ended up starting at Duke and winning a national championship year, you know, a few years later. That guy was smart. He realized I'm not trying to take his job. Most coaches were far more provincial. They didn't really teach anything. So I had a lot to work on. And then I had to help them a ton during the season because they weren't learning much. Very different, of course, in the NBA. Mm -hmm. uh, and so how do you go about winning games? What are you doing? And then projecting out what can you do? So as an example, I had Jaden Ivey, number two, on wow. my board, above Paolo at number three. The, the motor. So Paolo is taller very skilled uh i'm a fan my my nephew goes to duke i actually went i saw paolo in person i sat second row and duke beat florida state last year and one of the reasons i went wasn't to see my son it was i wanted to see him up close my nephew had told me a lot about him my nephew is the co-founder of the analytics department the sports analytics club at duke so <laughs> i he had told me a lot about paolo and um i but his motor had me a little concerned compared to ivy and even Jabari, I felt like Jabari had a motor for what he knew he could do. And um, I think that Ivy just, he imposes himself in a way that uh, can't be denied. He's going to athletically overwhelm people. It's in his DNA, like, like Dwayne Wade did, like John right. Morant does. So yeah, that's a big thing. Motor, understanding um, the we game is a big deal, not the me game. My concern about Jalen Green it still is how well is he going to understand the me game? I mean, the we game. Mm. He gets the me game just fine. <laughs> some guys figure it out, Steven. Some guys don't. And yeah. um, he's got so much talent that he'll stick around forever. But to be great, really great, then it's about winning. And understanding that we game is a big deal. So it's why I like I had Scotty Barnes and Mobley. Mobley was number one on my board in part because – Scotty was my son's teammate their freshman year. And I think people wouldn't take me seriously if I picked him one, but it was really a coin flip. And I told Chad Ford that uh, I thought Barnes would learn to assert himself in a way that um, a guy sometimes don't, but I thought he right. would. Rubio never really did. Cunningham is still kind of figuring it out a little bit, 
Um, there's a point guard out of Gonzaga, Andrew Nemhard, who I really, really like. I've gotten to know him very well. Andrew Former Gator. In the, in the, right, from Gonzaga. In this pre, Gator, right. In this preseason, he showed a willingness to shoot and attack. It's not something he did in Gonzaga. But a lot of other guys who are pass first. Oh, Tyrese Halliburton is the best example of that right now. He has absolutely transformed himself into a weaponized guard. So we have to look at all those kind of things when we're evaluating players. The other stuff is easy. Can he shoot? You know, how is, how is his skill? Those, that's not so hard to see. The other stuff, you got you to gotta really look at a little bit. Awesome. That was brilliant, Coach. I love what you say about a couple things here. One with Jaden Ivey that you mentioned is that ability to impose his will. I think that's something that obviously unquantifiable to a certain degree other than maybe wins <laughs> because uh, those type of guys seem to win a lot of games. Um, but it is something I noticed watching the game last night where – and and – <laughs> he's young, you know, and there were times where, uh, he was, he was so hyped up that he wasn't even getting back on defense and he was just doing his thing. But oh, there was a certain, yeah. there's a certain kinetic energy to him where every single bucket, he was completely unashamed to just let out a, like an immense amount of emotion. Um, and then transfer that into the next play and the next play and the next play where he's just imposing that will and sort of channeling this, this energy. Uh, and that's something that, First of all, that's hard to find. And then secondly, I think it's particularly hard to thread the needle with someone who plays with that level of will and then someone who is high feel as well. And that's something where like if you can actually thread the needle of someone who, who's skill and has feel but also plays with that level of passion, that's, you know, that's where guys that are absolute super duper stars are born out of that very often. But what sort of I want to ask you, what sort of markers do you look for when you talk about feel uh, what, what when you're watching a game? I know there's, uh, there's, there's certain nuances to how guys can run things. Are there any things that you see when guys do it on the court? You're like, okay, that's the marker of a high field player. Oh, there's a lot. So one of the things you look at is um, defense is designed to throw off your rhythm. Hmm. Uh, it's the best defenses don't let you do what you most want to do. And the better offensive players have counters to that. It's hard to get to those counters when you're going too fast, which almost all young players do. So uh, uh, feel for a young player uh, is someone that doesn't get rushed so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, you see, did you see the game last night, Toronto? Um, Toronto-Cleveland? At the end, did you see the last play of the game? Yes. Scotty Barnes gets it at half court, knows they're going to foul him right away, throws a pass to, I forget who, Trent or someone for a dunk to basically end the game. Yeah. He was doing that in high school. Just that, that, that feel for where everyone is on the court. Hmm. You know, pattern recognition is kind of a big deal for, um, for young players. They just kind of get a sense for where everyone is on the court. Um, and, not, and you can't get them out of that rhythm. You can't get them out of pace. Uh, and you want to, typically, especially when they're younger. The NBA is a little bit different because they don't press and everything. Um, so feel is also, let's say for scoring, as an example, Zion, in my opinion, is not, is not, he does not have the lift that he once had. He, he may get it back. I have no idea. He doesn't have it now. In my opinion, there were, I think he had one dunk last night, uh, nice dunk, but there were three or four dunk opportunities for him that he scored on. He didn't dunk, but his feel for scoring is incredible. It's elite. He just, he has a knack for when to change speed, where to get the angle of his arm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Zach Randolph shot a, a jump hook 
the wrong way. A hook is supposed to be designed to release it, and you've got your whole body in between your defender and where you shoot it. Look at Kareem Skyk as the most the classic example. Zebo over rotated on his jump hook, hmm. but his timing, his feel for his timing was exquisite. You couldn't block it. He just knew, just like the way Nash, I used to study Nash. Some of Nash's passes came, you know, Nash is kind of famous for the uh, right foot, right hand finish, left foot, left hand. Well, that's a timing thing. You're expecting back then, I was training players back then too, you, your <laughs> right-handed player would go right, left shot. Everyone or two feet. But Nash would throw your timing off and go off the wrong foot. He was the first guy that I ever remember doing wrong foot first. It's all about getting it off at a, at a click before the defender is ready to defend it. Hmm. Passing, he did the same thing sometimes. He would throw a pass, a, excuse me, a beat before you ever had seen anyone throw that pass. It was brilliant. And the defender just wasn't ready. That's really, really what I teach guards all the time when you're passing the ball as an example is your job's not to pass it when the guy is most open. Your job is to read the defense and get it past him. So that's the key. He'll have to figure out on his own how to score. But right. if you want to just read your player, well, then you're screwed because that defensive player may be reading it too. So you've got to get it past that defender. So catching him unawares is the genius. And so the field guys, whether it's an offensive rebound and it's a bump or it's an angle, mm. uh, the defensive guys that just naturally slide to certain places, uh, um, how quick field guys normally pick things up really quickly. Yeah. They pick up concepts really quickly. And they, and I don't mean just X and O concepts. I mean, like, slow down and set a good screen and hold that screen so you don't get called for an offensive foul. And they just do it. I, years ago, I had Luol Dang for a long time. And Luol was like, he had to see it. You couldn't just tell him it. You had to, you had to, you had to show him on clip. And then he, he could pattern it up. And, and then it was in his game. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Wow. Um, to get him to shoot well, you know, he once said I, he was struggling to shoot the ball. And I said, uh, this is after a game. He had a back-to-back. -back. I said, I want you to pick a shooter that you grew up watching that you just love. Makes you, makes you feel like you're at home. And tomorrow they played Milwaukee. He was in Chicago. The next night they played in Milwaukee. And so I drove the next day in a freaking blizzard. I'm a Floridian. <laughs> it wasn't fun. I said, when I, when I get there tomorrow, tell me who you're imagining. So uh, I get to the game, and I was at ESPN then. So I, get a, you know, I have a media pass to sit on the court. So an hour and a half before the game, I go on the court. He comes over to me, and he says, um, Glenn Rice. Kind of smiles at me. Wow. Glenn Rice. And sure enough, he hits like four jumpers to start the game. And as he, and I'm on they – put, they put me in the um, – the, there was no real media row, right behind the, the basket that he was going back to defend, like second row. And as he was coming back down the court, he looked at me with a big smile like, Glenn Rice. Like that just, <laughs> just gave him that feel. Well, that's a big part of it is seeing what other guys can do and feeling that the best mm. players can really do that very well. Wow, that's really unique. Thank you for that perspective. The What you mentioned about young players going going too fast, I think what you said there almost changed my, my understanding to a certain degree where you always assume one precedes the other. Like, hey, if, if this guy would just slow down, he would be able to recognize patterns and, and he would have more spatial awareness and be able to map the court out um, and have more anticipation and, and be able to shoulder more, you know, more of a cognitive load. And then but but what you're saying almost is like the ability to 
map the court and anticipate that's what slows the game down for these guys. Like it, it's not, it, it's not just the actual slowing down that allows you to do these things. It's these things that allows you to slow down. And, and I think that's, that's valuable. That's valuable advice there's for an anybody easy, who's playing basketball. Even there's a really easy way to think of this. Um, I'm assuming you drive. I do. Okay. <laughs> I dabble. Let's say, yeah. are you on I-4 a lot? Are you in Orlando area? Actually, I'm in Dallas. Oh, right Texas. Now. Okay. Right. All right. Same mm-hmm. thing. I don't know the roads. Anymore. I've driven there. But I don't remember what roads. Uh, but sure. you were in Gainesville. I'm sure you're on, on 75 and all of that. Absolutely. A lot of time on 75. Yeah. So let's say you're, um, you're on a, a highway and you're going 75 miles an hour, five miles over the speed limit, and you know an exit's coming. Hmm. Okay. This, but you don't know if it's on the left or right, and you're not sure when it's coming. You're going to get in the middle lane and you're going to maybe slow down to 70 or 68. You're not going to get hit from behind, but you're also not going to be speeding like crazy if, it's, if there's a lot of traffic out there because you're, you're going to miss your exit. Mm-hmm. So young players are going 80 or 90 right. and have no idea there might even be an exit to take. <laughs> pros, right. pros slow down and they're waiting to see what they know an exit's coming. That's the first exactly. difference. They're not exactly. sure where it's coming. They have an idea. But they're slowing down just fast, just slow enough to make sure they can grab it without any problems. That's the way to look at it. I love that. I love that, Coach. And and with that, I want to hear some of your players that you've kind of come up with a list. I'm going into this blind, so I'm excited to riff with Coach a little bit and uh, and just uh, say some players that we love and are expecting a breakout from uh, young guys who are going to be contributing to winning or at least taking uh, large personal leaps. Did you have any sort of lists that you were going through, like different attributes that you were sort of looking for? Or was it just these guys stand out to me? I like these players. I want to, I want to bring them up today. I, honestly, I didn't even think about it. Uh, I've done this so many, on so many other podcasts. <laughs> I, I've got, sure. I got a list of names right here. And so, um, I mean, it's probably like anyone else. You're, you're looking at younger players who mm-hmm. tend to see the most, you know, most growth. Um, I'm also looking like in one, let's see one player, there's a change of coaches, which I think matters. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, the uh, one guy is healthy for, and hadn't been healthy. You'll figure out who that is in a second. So there's a lot of players. I, I could talk 15, 20 guys at least, if not way more. But, yeah, these are some guys that I like for different reasons and think that they have a, a good chance to just you know, really surge. So I'm happy to start. You want me to start? I can start with the one player who's not going to win much this year and was not very good last night. But I'm very high on him. You want me to start with him? Perfect. Lay it on me, coach. Okay. The, the team's going to probably be the – right now they're the worst team in the league after one game. That's the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I like Josh Primo, but I think okay. he's going to battle a lot with Trey Jones. So I love Devin Vassell. Mm. I, I, he's, he's already shown he can be a plus defender. I think he's a, he's a better version of uh, uh, Mikhail Bridges. Mm. He's, and he's 21 maybe. Yeah, I believe so. Very young. Maybe he's turned 22. I watched him in practice. Some my son was visiting Florida State when uh, we, went, we went to a practice, my wife and I and, and my son, and uh, went to practice with, uh, with Devin, was on the team. Uh, and uh, he, he's, he's a joyous player. There's a lot of Steph Curry in him that way. It's just in terms of he's just very loving on the court, really fun, mm. not selfish. Um, He's better than you think off the dribble, but not explosive to the rim, but more primary ball handler with ball screens, which is fine. LaMelo can't beat anyone off the dribble. He's brilliant on ball screens. He's better than Devin, that's for sure. But I think Devin's going to be good enough. He can. He, his, he has such a high release on his jumper. Yes. 
that I call it the second box. The, the uh, half of the of the paint up to the free throw line is the second box. The one where the, the box where the rim is the first box. He can really make a living in the second box. He's got such that high release and he's not uh, short and he's long. So I think he's very hard to guard. Uh, he needs to shoot 40% from three. He's been 36 or 35 last two years. That's got to go up. It's going to be hard because his team's terrible. But um, I do think that they're, they recognize what they have in him. My understanding is there are some other teams that really value him, and the Spurs are like, no way are we trading this guy. Um, they, that means they see it too. And so I think there's a chance he really, you know, averages 18, 19, 20 points a game on a bad team. And, but looks the part of, okay, he'll be 22 mm-hmm. when they get Victor or whoever. <laughs> right. And, and he's going to be right there to grow, you know, kind of like Shea is with OKC, but he's younger than Shea. Yeah. That, that Mikhail Bridges comp is exactly what I've thought of watching his game on tape. Uh, he's, he's one of these guys that just knows how to use his length. Because, uh, like you said, he's not necessarily the most explosive athlete. Um, and he's not even particularly great at, um, like, uh, getting through screens like his screen navigation I think and like on ball just like lockdown defense is, is maybe even slightly overrated but I think his team defense and the way he like recovers from screens to still get a contest he's one of the best shot contesters I've watched tape on um, this guy gets his hand right in those places to like you said before just disrupt guys rhythm and, yeah. and he does that consistently over and over. even if he gets plastered by a screen he has this innate ability this short area burst um to to be able to recover and and get a hand up no matter what um really really fun player to watch i like what you mentioned about a little bit of on ball juice like he that's where i think he where mikhail bridges is I think he's brilliant at uh, attacking those closeouts because he's such a, a strong shooter. Yeah. Uh, those guys are, are closing out, you know, uh, with with <laughs> serious force, um, and they're maybe not quite closing out the same amount of force on on Devin. But uh, he has a little bit more of that playmaking pop, a little bit more of that like get a guy on his hip and kind of work with him and and work that ball screen and, and make some good decisions. Uh, I like his his little like turnaround mid range game. He has a little bit of yeah. that like step back turnaround yep. mid range game, like you mentioned with that high release. Yep. Um, he's going to be a really good player he seems he he's one of those guys he seems much older when you watch him yeah. which i think is an impressive trait you yeah. know and he's and he's really young and he was a three-star player coming out of high school yeah that's uh, crazy yeah, if you if you went to florida you've heard of stetson which is you know low major maybe mid-major probably low major that was the only mm-hmm. school to offer him until florida state did and then everyone wow. offered um and then he's in the nba in two years in fact i think his second year he was only he was number two in the in the country in um in basically points per possession behind Zion, there was some wow. maybe not that stat, but some stats similar, where he just you know Florida State had a million guys and were probably the best team in the country. Uh, they were ranked number four in the end of the season. Dick Vitale said they'd win the championship. I thought they had a hell of a chance to win. Devin was mm-hmm. their certainly the best offensive player, and uh, and was just a teenager, so he's got That's a lot crazy. of upside still to grow into. They're just bad. And when you talk about some of the some of his on-ball stuff. I think part of the issue is they're just their team is just so young. Yeah, and it's just hard. <laughs> and so he's got to battle that. He's got to battle that. But I think he will. He's got the character for it. And again, I think the Spurs know what they have in him, just like they knew what they had in Kawhi. He's not Kawhi Leonard. I'm not saying that, but we didn't know Kawhi would be this good. He was the 15th pick no, in the draft. No, of course not. They did. They knew. The Spurs knew. Pop talked about it early on. I mm. think they know how good Devin can be, and I, and so I agree. That's awesome. Yeah. And watching him and, and Jeremy Sohan actually play defense yeah. is going to be a lot of fun for some young guys. Like 
just heady team defenders <laughs> at such a young age is difficult to find. And that, I mean, they're going to be scoring 70 points some games, but <laughs> their defense is going to be fun to keep an eye on this season. I'm excited about that. All right, coach, who else you got on your list there? So I was probably the biggest James Weissman fan out there. Um, I wrote an article saying uh, there's no way the Warriors pass, pass them at two, basically is what I wrote in the first paragraph, I think. There was just no chance they weren't drafting this guy. Hmm. And um, it, it, there's been some bad luck. He's, he's, uh, he's had some bad injuries. And then he also didn't play his first year of college, but three games. But um, my people in Golden State are, that I've talked to are extraordinarily high on him. Hmm. And I think he, I did not think he had a good first game. I thought he was better in preseason. That matters. The first game means more. He was fine. The game wasn't real competitive after halftime, but uh, after actually after the third quarter. But um, I think he's going to grow a lot this year. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think Looney and Draymond are unbelievable intellects. I think they're unbelievable basketball intellects. And so I don't think most players are great at mentoring and teaching the way we the media likes to suggest that they are. Most of them, they want to play well themselves. They're happy to give a point or two, but they want to play well themselves especially in the, in the, for a guy that wants to take their spot. But Kavan just got a nice three-year deal, won his third ring, is very underrated. I'm a big – I'm the president of the Looney fan club, have been <laughs> since 2019. Draymond is one of the smartest IQ defenders we've ever seen in the history of the game, certainly in the modern era. Um, and I think they're going to teach him a ton. I've mm. heard the way those players speak about him and what he does for them and what he brings to them. And – uh I think the Warriors, like Milwaukee, understand that they're going to be there in the end, and they need to make sure they rest their starters, and they're going to give James and the other guys too, Kaminga and Moody. I like Ryan Rollins a lot. I like Patrick Baldwin. Mm. They're going to play some of those guys. Keep Curry, Clay, Draymond, Looney uh, rested. They got DiVincenzo too. So I think Wiseman had the chance to, you know, I think he'll be better next year, but you're going to start seeing if he stays healthy, like you're going to realize he's going to make a lot of money. You're going to, the Warriors won't be able to, they can't afford to lose him. Someone's going to offer him a ton of money as their franchise center because he really can be a difference maker in a way not many centers can be. That's what I think. Nice. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to touch on Rollins real quick. Just yeah. Because I was, I was driving that bandwagon uh, uh, a, a little big, bit pre draft. Big fan of him. That is, uh, that is for a podcast on another day. But to Wiseman, I, I definitely love what you're saying. I love the infrastructure of Golden State. Um, I want you to tell me why I'm wrong about being maybe slightly lower on Wiseman. There's something, there's something athletically with him that I, I, I just can't quite get behind. And, and it's hard for me to explain watching him on tape. I think there's something about his like, speed off the floor and like his his kind of like functional like flexibility out there like like you were mentioning earlier with these with these angles and and this know-how of just sort of how to bend your body and use it there's something there that I feel like might not be very innate and and for a player who isn't necessarily much of a playmaker or much of a shooting I think those things are are crucial to be able to be a a contributor on a really good winning team. What are your thoughts behind his athleticism? Am I kind of just missing the mark? Yeah, you're missing it, but you're not wrong. So it's an interesting uh, thing you're saying. I think that what you're seeing is um, a mental pause. Because Hmm. when you see him, I watched every, every basket he took in the preseason. There, there were a couple occasions where he got to the rim so fast 
I was shocked. And mm. in fact, one of them, go back. Do you have Synergy? No, I'm too poor for that. Go, <laughs> go, go back and um, it might be in, if you, if you YouTube, uh, Nuggets versus Warriors preseason. Okay. Yeah, they have like a 10 minute, they might show it. He has a, he has a dunk, Stephen, where he goes from like, I don't know how far, it was six, seven feet baseline to the rim in the half a blink of an eye. And he mm. so overwhelms Jokic that Jokic kind of fouls him like, like in shock, thinking he's not going to get to the rim. It's going to hit him. Right. And boom, it's, it's crammed on his head. It was startling. So he's got that quick twitch. I think he doesn't always engage it because he's hmm. so behind. You know, we wrote an article on Troop a couple weeks ago. Actually, it wasn't me. It was a, our, another writer-editor we have named Travis Moran. And it was about uh, – it was coming from something I talk about a lot, which is chess players. So – uh, speed chess players rely on pattern recognition, instinct. Great, mm -hmm. that, that's where you have to play a game in two minutes, whatever. Uh, a lot of great NBA players are definitely brilliant speed chess players on the court. Grandmaster chess players, uh, where there's no time limit in chess, they've just seen everything before. Hmm. They've seen it all before. And so they, they see your move. They know exactly what you're trying to do. They can figure what they're going to try to do and execute their strategy. And they're patient about it. They won't move till they see it because there's no, there's no, there's no time limit. So, I don't know that Wiseman's any kind of expert speed chess player. It'd be great if he was, like Jokic is, uh, for sure. But uh, he'll get the grandmaster chess part, just getting reps, getting reps, getting mm. instructed. Reps, reps absent instruction are relatively empty, unless mm. the, there's a player. There's some players figured out for themselves. It's not easy. Sure. Uh, reps with instruction is gold. So he's going to get a ton of instruction and you'll start seeing him engage that athleticism more and more. Um, he's got some slinkiness to him that I really like. He's huge. I was talking, he is huge. I was talking to he an I was talking to an NBA player about him. Uh, like he, he's, no one wants to play against Steven Adams, but nobody wants to play against Wiseman. I, I, this one player I talked to has been in the league four or five years now. He, he was like, that's just a huge, fast, agile man who's so yeah. strong and he's got a motor. He's not, he's not soft about it. So I think his hands have gotten much better, which I expected. That's just playing. I yeah. think, and he's got a little short game. I know he'll shoot some threes. I don't, I don't mind that he will. He's not going to make a bunch. I wouldn't think this year, but I'm just saying, I think, and he's not a rim protector yet. He will be. He, he already is to some degree now, nothing great. Let Draymond work, work with him. He's got to get reps for that though. You got to play. You can't just sit on the yeah. bench. So I, I think he's going to end up being a two-way plus for them this year. Really excited to see see those reps happen and, and have him catch up. Uh, that does make a ton of sense that you can't fully engage that athleticism if you're thinking about it while you're doing it. Yeah, it's so, just processing. Um, yeah. It's just yeah. processing. Yeah. That's good. I like that. All right, on to the next one, Coach. Hit me. I'll do one that, that it probably isn't on anyone's list just because he's already gotten paid. But – um. I think we're going to – This is. I made this list, you know, a week ago, so I'm not even looking at what happened last night. Um, De'Aaron Fox has a new coach hmm. who's really going to stress defense. And and Mike Brown, I think he has the ability, if, not, if he hasn't already done so many times, to say to De'Aaron, uh, I've been coaching the best guard maybe ever to play, Pro probably the best under six-foot-six six guard ever to play, mm -hmm. Seth Curry. He's a joyful person. Uh, he is everyone's favorite teammate. You, De'Aaron, are not a joyful person. 
<laughs> and you are not everyone's favorite teammate. This is a fact because I've spoken to teammates of his and coaches of his. <laughs> yeah. And, and De'Aaron, you're letting our, us down and yourself down. Ooh. You've got to play better defense. You've got to care about us more and not me more. Uh, because if you do that, if you try to be more like Steph, uh, you're a perennial all-star. You're so talented. We're paying you to be that perennial all-star, but it's got to be an adjustment for you. You've got to, you've got to commit to being different. So based on preseason and then last night, I know they lost. Um, I thought he did that. He, he, I think, I think you'll, he's been a great offensive player now, but not a, not a good, not even a good defensive player. I think Mike will get him and the staff will get him to play better defense, care more about defense, care more about us and not just me. And I think we'll see a much, much better player and potentially an all-star because of it. Yeah. I love that. De'Aaron is someone who I've been higher on his offense than almost anybody. And I've been lower on his defense (laughs) than almost anybody. Yeah, it is the, the, it is an effort thing because he is, you know, you're a skinny guard. You're not huge. You're already at this, you know, massive disadvantage trying to to do anything in the NBA at that size. And obviously he's quick. And I think a lot of people just kind of, uh, you know, uh, think that athleticism or speed kind of transfers into a good defensive player. Um, and that's so often not the case, obviously tools help, but even in a small guard, I don't really think the the speedy guards really even have that much of an advantage defensively. To well, some Jordan, Jordan Poole plays bad defense, right? Yeah. Maxi plays bad defense. Those guys are our unicorns with speed, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The speed in my mind doesn't really transfer and he just dies on every screen. I think that's ever been said on him, which is a, is a very frustrating thing. And it, 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 the the defensive infrastructure around him is not strong enough for right. him to be right. to be doing things like that. But his finishing, man, his finishing with that speed is as good as just about anybody. I think he's closer to Ja than than people think as far as his ability to. Oh, yeah. He's not as ferocious at the rim, but his touch at the rim is arguably, in my mind, a, a little bit better than Ja's. I think his touch is brilliant, um, and he's going to score so many points this year it's going to be an it's going to be a barrage I mean he had 33 last night I believe um he did have eight turnovers which is you know I mean sometimes that's just a product of of how the game goes but uh his scoring is going to be absurd after the Sabonis trade he averaged 28 per game I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be in that 28 to 30 point range this year which is you know incredibly high and but I I like what you mentioned about that coaching change and that culture change is what we need to see from him uh and it's tough I mean Sacramento just has this this cloud uh as funny as it is to kind of make fun of Sacramento, I mean, there's some there's a systemic issue if you've missed the playoffs that many years in a row, um, and there are there are things that are deep in the water uh, in Sacramento that that need to be overcome, and you need someone galvanizing to be able to do that. And we'll see. I mean, we'll see with Fox. I, he hasn't necessarily shown the ability to do that yet, but a new voice in the in the coaching room hopefully will will be able to make that click for him because he's he's brilliantly talented. Yeah, no doubt. And and uh, I've coached a lot of players that played for the Kings. In fact, I that one of their one of their all-time best players uh, was on the, the last team that went to the playoffs in 06 and Kevin Martin. The city is great. Oh, wow. There's nothing wrong with the name Sacramento Kings. It's not the fans' fault. Ownership, management, coaching. Uh, they've just been abominable for a long time. And yeah. I'm hoping Coach Brown, who I think is solid, I don't, I don't know if he's great. We'll see. If you can get the Kings to 43, 44 wins, you've done a hell of a job. I think they can win yeah, 41. No doubt. I had him at 41 and 41 this year. Um, Keegan Murray's going to help. Uh, Sabonis yes. is a very good passer, and that's going to help De'Aaron as well. Uh, Herder can really shoot. 
Um, mm -hmm. Harrison Barnes is you know, a very good player. Everyone wants him. Uh, they, they have no excuses to win 41 games. A tough league. I wrote, I've written, it's the most parody filled league I've ever seen in my 20 years involved mm -hmm. in the NBA. So um, they've got the workout out for him, but I think uh, De'Aaron can lead them. That's for sure. No doubt. Their offense is going to be something that carries them to a lot of wins. Just point blank. Fox hasn't had any type of spacing around him yeah. and any type of screening around him like Sabonis and uh, anywhere around right. his career for, for this whole time. So it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be really fun to watch in Sacramento at the very least this year. We'll see if it translates to a ton of wins. Uh, let's get one more, your favorite uh, breakout candidate remaining on your list. Give me something you feel real good about and then we'll get you out of here, coach. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give you two cause I'm gonna spend 30 seconds. on. Ooh, I like one. that. I like the that. one I'm going to give you that I'm disappointed on is Pat Williams also from Florida mm. state, but I really, I had him number four in my mock. When I, did, when I did my ratings, I rated number four. He went number four. Um, he was so disappointing last night. He's just – and Zach Levine didn't even play. Like, he's just not a server. Right. He, he, Scotty Barnes imposes his will. Pat doesn't, and he needs to, and he's very talented. And they need him. Now, if he grows into an elite defender to guard the Jimmy Butlers and the Giannis's and the Siakams and those guys and the Tatums and Browns, then great. Chicago needs that from him. But I'm disappointed in him so far. But mm -hmm. my man, this guy, I love this guy coming out of college. I actually spoke to him and his dad when he was still at, at Kentucky. Uh, everyone is talking about Tyrese Maxey, but for uh, good yeah. reason. For good reason. He's, <laughs> oh, yeah. he's one of our unicorns in the league where super fast can really shoot. That, that alone is the unicorn. Most super fast guys can't shoot because they never needed to. They just blow by you. Well, he mm -hmm. can really shoot now. Uh, has a great motor. They got to do some figuring out. They got Embiid and Harden. And Tobias Harris likes to shoot the ball. They've, they've got to make sure Tyrese is an integral part of their offensive structure, their strategies. Um, I'd like to see him, like same as Fox, uh, really commit to the defensive end. And he needs to, if they want to win a championship, they ain't going to win if he and Harden don't guard. So it's got to be something they've, they've got to do. And if Doc Rivers can't get them to do it, Daryl Morey at some point I think is going to find someone that can. Because you've got to, you, they can't just win on offense. You've got to guard. They, the league's got too many good teams. Just they can score right with them. You've got to guard yeah. and make it tougher. But uh, I think he's got the, he's got the. I, I told him this when, when, um, when he was in college. I told him, uh, I think you got a lot of Kyle Lowry in you. And what I meant by that is, an anger about the way you play, an edge. Uh, he was much better athlete than Kyle. He couldn't really shoot. Neither could Kyle at that age. Um, Kyle was a terrible shooter coming out of Villanova. But I thought that um, I thought there was an edge about him that I just loved. And uh, at first, he didn't love it. And then I told him, I think he's already made $250 million. And then he liked it just fine. <laughs> but he's better than Kyle. He's a better player than Kyle, which I didn't say that he wouldn't be. He's a better athlete. So I think you're going to see Maxi you know, competing for all-star spots. Philly, I think, is going to be one of the top few teams in the East. And and I don't know if Harden will be an all-star or not. He might be. He certainly look great in game one. Embiid will. But if they're the leaders in the East, they might get a third player in it. And, and I think Tyrese can be that guy. Yeah. Maxi is one of my favorite players in the entire NBA, man. I just – he is just, like, a joyous presence watching the game. It's, it's so funny you mentioned his, like – edge and and kind of anger he plays with and force he plays with 
uh, because he's such a, a fun mixture of like edgy and strong and forceful, but also just kind of, he has almost like a happy-go-luckiness about him too, which is almost impossible to find. I feel like it, it, with those happy-go-lucky guys usually uh, are a little tuned down in between the lines of just like this fierce competitor. But like you mentioned with Steph, where he's a joyous presence, he's a great guy, he's lovely to be around, he's humble, um, but he is fierce and he wants to cut your throat. And that yeah. that's very much something you see with Tyrese. Um, the shooting is unbelievable. I, I can't wrap my hand, my mind around the the shooting leap he's taken. I mean, he shot 57% from the corner last year, corner three, which is just stupid. Led the entire NBA. He was over 40% on pull-ups. He was over 45% on catch and shoot in general. Um, that's outrageous. And that's work, you know, too. And that's the thing, like feel, work, confidence. That's something that is, is brilliant with him. Uh, the explosion he has in the you know, transition is just silly to watch. He He's a beautiful finisher as well, sim- similar to De'Aaron, a little not quite as explosive, but he's close. He's, he's knocking on that door. Um, something I'm, I'm looking for him this year, which is this is going to sound sort of counterintuitive, but I think he was almost too high on the assist to turnover ratio list last year. I think he was like fifth in the entire league in his assist to turnover ratio, which is awesome. I mean, young player, like you don't see that young ball handler, typically they're, you know, high turnover and and high variance in that way. Um, There's a certain carefulness that I want to see him break through. That's where I think he takes that leap from amazing third player to bonafide all-star where he's willing to sort of take some more of these chances and he's going to grow into that and it's cool because he's playing within a winning context so he doesn't have to do that all the time he's making the right play and that's that's wonderful to see um, but I do want to see that that risk-taking element that t- that chance um, to to make a you know a, a tighter pocket pass or uh, to make that skip pass instead of just kind of backing it back out and swinging it back around um, that would be that would be what I'm looking for this season as he as he continues to break out what are your thoughts there yeah, I mean, that's the challenge. To get on the court as a young player, you can't turn the ball over. Well, it's not great right. when a, with a team competing for a championship. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, our, our, the guys leading the league in turnovers, if you're also leading in scoring, you know, right. typically. So it's just the bravado matters. That being weaponized at all the time matters. Um, yeah, I think that that's just part of the growth process where Philly would be better off if he was their second-best player. It may, it may not happen. We'll see. James had one great game. Let's see. I'm of the belief that we're not going to see James Harden do that every other game, every third game. I think it'll be even less than that, where it used to be four nights in five or eight nights in nine. Maybe it's one night in four, one night in five. Mm -hmm. This is what happens to older players. If that's the case, Tyrese needs to be the guy that is playing better three games out of four, four games out of five. And then they're going to be the best team in the East. They were Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. True. Awesome, Coach. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for coming on the pod, hopping on, just chopping it up about hoops. There's very, uh, very short list of individuals that I would want to talk about hoops with more than Coach Thorpe. So it's been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, thank you for spending time. I'm, I'm hoping that I can get you back on at some point during the season, uh, uh, kind of look at our breakout picks and see how these guys are performing. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug before we get you on out of here? Well, besides, you know, the great job you do, I've enjoyed reading your tweets and everything. Um, uh, yeah, I'm at True Hoop. Uh, we're always looking for subscribers. We, we have Bring It In, our podcast. We're launching another podcast called Tactics uh, mm. very, very soon where I'm going to do kind of a um, just a deeper look into something going on the court. That's it. Just awesome. whether it's X and O stuff, whether it's player development stuff, 
uh, anything that the kind of stuff that I'm talking to players about that the average fan would, I, I basically sent a message I sent to an, uh, an NBA player. I sent it to my partner as a troop, just to give him an idea of what I do. I sent him an audio uh, of the, of the WhatsApp message. And they're like, Oh my God, can, can we do that? Can we just talk about that? And I said, yeah. So that's going to be true tactics. I think it'll be pretty fun. We're launching it very soon here. So to get all of that, you have to subscribe to True Hoop. Uh, every team does. Most agents, most media people do. We're trying to be smart about how we cover the NBA. And, and again, I, we've done it since 2019 now. Awesome, Coach. If you want smart, beautiful, thoughtful basketball content, check out True Hoop. Check out the Bring It In podcast. Check out Tactics. Keeps your eyes out for that. We're all thirsty for more of that knowledge of what the on-court experience looks like. And Coach Thorpe brings that to us better than just about anybody in the business. Thank you so much to everybody who is listening. You guys are are what keep this channel going. Uh, I'm so happy that the season started. We're not scraping the bottom of the content barrel anymore. Uh, There's new things to talk about. There's exciting things happening. And I wouldn't rather do it with anybody else but you guys. I am so pumped to keep bringing you daily NBA content from the NBA University Twitter and weekly NBA podcasts from this NBA University podcast. Rate five stars. Whether you liked it, you hated it, you're indifferent towards it, we need those five stars. Share it with your friends, uh, and let's get this thing going. So happy to have you along for this ride. NBAU, out.